What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Schmidt. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. Super excited for today's show. All basketball again. It's just, it's it's NBA playoff time, you know? So all I really want to talk about is basketball. I know that there's stuff going on with Aaron Rodgers. Let's be honest, Packers, they're not budging. The Athletic came out with an article today. They're not moving him. You know, it looks like the, Fal- the Falcons are going to deal Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Great for the Titans. All right, the NFL's covered basketball let's get back to it so we're gonna start it off with with just NBA playoff series updates you know we're gonna kind of run through them all I'll give you short opinions these teams that are about to get bounced you know we'll we'll talk about their future a little bit but I'm super excited to get into this so let's start in the east so the Bucks swept the heat are we really surprised like honestly you know I know that there are some people who had picked the upset and I know that everybody kind of thought this was going to be a really good series just because of what happened last year in the bubble and things like that. But I think that when we look at the offseason, when we really look at these two teams, the Bucks got better adding Drew Holiday. Sure, they gave up a ton for it, but it's worth it. You know, that's what encouraged Giannis to resign, things like that. The Heat did not get better. Okay, you know, Tyler Hero hadn't been anywhere near what he was last year. Jimmy Butler was awful. This series, okay, I'm assuming everybody's seen the stat where Foden outscored Jimmy Butler. That's unacceptable if you're a star like Jimmy Butler is. And, you know, Bam wasn't as good offensively either. So, you know, they're a young team. They're going to have to continue to develop Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. But at the same time, you know, Jimmy Butler's 32, 31, 32, somewhere in there. Like, his his window is starting to shrink. So this offseason, fully expect... For the Miami Heat to be buyers when it comes to free agents and things like that. Okay, like this is, you know, this is a really good team, right? You know, this team played in the finals last year. You know, there is something to say about that. Like that's an, an, an impressive achievement for a team, you know, of this age. You know, like I said, this is a young team. And so they've got potential. I think this is an attractive place for free agents to go. Obviously, you know, we've seen big time free agents like LeBron and Chris Bosh end up there before. So fully expect for the Miami Heat to be active when it comes to moving players in during this free agent period coming up this summer. Next series, the Celtics and the Nets. Game five's tonight. It's in Brooklyn. This series is over. Okay. Nets, they're twelve and a half point favorites. Honestly, I would take the Nets on that. You know, obviously, you know, the Celtics are gonna come out, they're gonna play hard and all that. But so are the Nets, they're gonna come out, they're they're looking to finish them off. I don't think this game's going to be close unless, you know, Jason Tatum goes and gets 50 like he can do. Like, he's, you know, a very special young player who's very capable of that. But I, even with that, I still don't think it's going to quite be enough for them to force a game six. So, yeah, I'm taking the Nets pretty easily tonight, which sets us up for Nets-Bucks round two. And this is that's going to be the series I'm going to be most excited for. You know, I'll probably talk about it a little bit more when we get there, but the Nets, they have some weaknesses. You know, Tristan Thompson has absolutely dominated the offensive boards. And when we look at Milwaukee with the size that they possess, like Chris Middleton's 6'9", 6'10", Giannis is like 6'10", 6'11", and then you run Brooke Lopez out there with them. That's a really big lineup who's going to absolutely pound the Nets on the glass. That's a lineup that can really defend as well. So that is going to be a really interesting series to look at as well. Uh, the 76ers and the Wizards, you know, the Wizards, they got one last night. Joel Embiid didn't return. And 
Embiid's set to have an MRI today to kind of look at his right knee. Look, even if Embiid doesn't come back the rest of the series, like the Sixers, they're way better than the Wizards. Like they're more than good enough to get one game without Joel Embiid. The big concern for the 76ers outside of, you know, obviously Joel Embiid being hurt is what are you going to do with Ben Simmons, okay? They did the hack of Simmons last night. Really good strategy. Doc Rivers refused to take him off the floor, and you can't take him off the floor because he's basically your starting point guard, okay? He's your best player when Joel Embiid isn't there. You can't take him off the floor, especially with what he brings defensively, and they were at a point where they needed stops. He's the best defender in the league. So you can't take him off the floor there. You can't. So, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how the 76ers try and come back for that. What are they going to do differently to kind of keep stuff like that from happening? You know, the best option to keep stuff like that from happening is just to blow them out, go up by 20 with like three minutes left in the game. So you don't really have to worry about it. The next series that we are going to look at, Knicks Hawks. And Knicks fans, you guys were so excited at the start of this series. You know, people were picking the Knicks and they really liked the Knicks. I took the Hawks. Look, the Hawks, they're young. I don't think they're, they're going to be able to finish the series in New York, so I do think this is going to go to a Game 6. And in Game 6, that's where the Hawks will finish it. Really like this Knicks team. They've done a lot just for their image. Like this before was looking like an organization that you didn't want to go to at all. Coach Tom Thibodeau, he's done a great job this year. And like this is a good team. They're very respectful. I think this is becoming a place where big-time free agents – may possibly want to go right like they've got some pieces they're clearly very well coached and so it'll be interesting the Knicks have done a lot for themselves this year and I think that you know Knicks fans if you are a Knicks fan don't don't be upset don't be disappointed if you get bounced in the first round okay like nobody thought you guys would even make the playoffs you wound up being the four seed that's really impressive and the biggest thing for the Knicks is they got to find another score okay like Julius Randle Really good player. He's not a one. We're seeing that here in the playoffs. And let's be honest, how many times have guys won most improved player and then went on to be, you know, like a, a viable number one option? Like, not very many. Okay, I can't really think of any. Right? So, you know, the Knicks, you need one more piece. You need an absolute go-to guy who can get you a bucket whenever you need it. Right? So that's really all that the Knicks are missing. I really like this young Hawks team. Trey Young has really grown on me. Coming into the playoffs, couldn't stand him. Part of me still doesn't like him, but I do love how he's embraced this villain role. I'm excited to see what he looks like against the Sixers, who are much better defensively, especially in in their backcourt. So it'll be fun. I'm excited for that series as well. And, yeah, so let's move over to the West. So the Jazz beat the Grizzlies again last night, and, you know, it's just their experience. You know, these last two games that were played in Memphis – when you look at the last four minutes, you know, the Jazz have just absolutely owned them, right? You know, they closed out game game three with, you know, with like a 14-2 run with four minutes left to go in the game. They At about the four-minute mark last night, they they went on like a 7-0 run, and that was it. That was all she wrote. And, so, you know, this Jazz team, the experience kind of shows there. This Grizzlies team, though, it's a lot of fun. They have a very bright future. John Morant has looked great. Dylan Brooks has looked awesome. You know, Triple J hadn't been great, hadn't been terrible either, though. So hopefully, you know, he'll kind of develop. And look, like this is a still a really young team, but they definitely earned respect. I think a lot of people really like this team, the way that they defend, how they're completely unafraid. So yeah, this Grizzlies team, 
they've done a lot for their image. You know, it's it's a good series for them, right? I know that they're going to probably get beaten five, but at the end of the day, they've done a lot for themselves. They've gained very valuable experience winning two playing games and then going to Utah and winning a game. I know Donovan Mitchell didn't play, but still, that does a lot for your confidence going forward. So, yeah, really, really impressed with this Grizzlies team. You know, I, you know, I think a lot of people had them had this one down as a sweep. But, you know, it's it's going to end in five. Suns-Lakers. Now, this is the interesting one, right? Currently tied 2-2. Doesn't look like Anthony Davis is going to play tonight. And it's just it's interesting, right? So we're going to see how does LeBron look? How is his ankle? You know, he missed a lot of games this year with, with, with that ankle injury. And, you know, the series is really different. You know, part of what is really going to suffer here for the Lakers is their ability to play defense. You know, obviously, you know, Anthony Davis is one of the most gifted scorers in the NBA, but where he really gives the Lakers an advantage is his size and his ability to defend smaller smaller players, right? So the Lakers, they're able to run this big lineup and pound these teams that play small on the glass, right? Because they're able to take, you know, Andre Drummond and put, put him on DeAndre Ayton and then they can put Anthony Davis on Jay Crowder. Like, it's really impressive. And it gives them such an advantage in terms of size whenever they're playing. So they're able to pound teams underneath. They rebound the basketball really, really well. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's giving the Suns some problems. But if he's not there, it becomes way different how they're going to defend. Now, look, you know, they ended up with the number one defensive rating in the NBA. That was without LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? But... So, like, they're still going to be able to defend. They're still going to be able to get stops. But just the way that they defend is going to change. I'm interested to see how how quickly they rotate. I'm interested to see if they go small as well, maybe run LeBron at the four. We'll see how much they do that. I'm really interested to kind of see the adjustments that Frank Vogel is going to make. But at the end of the day, if Anthony Davis isn't healthy and Chris Paul is healthy, which he looked pretty healthy in game four, the Suns are going to win this series. You know, they, I think they'll win game five tonight, especially if Anthony Davis doesn't play. They're at home. And then they may finish it in Staples if there's no Anthony Davis for game six. So this I'm um, this has been the most entertaining series by far for me. This is I think the one that you know everybody had circled. You know, the first round series this year have all been really, really entertaining. So yeah, Suns Lakers game five is tonight, you know, at ten o'clock. So I'll be up watching that one for sure. Nuggets Trailblazers, this series is also tied 2-2. The series out west have all just been phenomenal. So this one's also tied 2-2. Game 5 tonight in Denver. Nuggets are a a one-and-a-half point favorite. You know, I I like them to win. You know, Jokic played bad in Game 4. Only finished with like 16 points. And I think he'll he'll have a bounce back tonight. He'll play well. Not really too, too worried about this one. I really do like the Nuggets to kind of handle business. And then the last one, the Mavs and the Clippers. Game 5 is tomorrow night. And, yeah, I mean, this one, the Clippers, they figured some stuff out, man. Obviously, you know, Luka being hurt doesn't help. But the biggest problem here is that the Mavericks cannot stop the Clippers, right? Like, I like the Clippers to win these next two and one in six. Man, the Mavs, they just, they have the right formula. I think the idea around how they want to build their team is correct. They just need some upgrades. Mainly if they're guys who are 3 and D guys. Like, Maxi Kleba is supposed to be a 3 and D dude. Kawhi Leonard's been giving him buckets all series, okay? Dorian Finney-Smith, same thing. Paul George's been giving him buckets all series, right? Kristaps Porzingis hasn't played well. They need a better number two. 
and you know, I'm really interested to kind of see what the Mavs are going to do in this offseason because they, they know where their deficiencies are. They just have to upgrade. Like, they, like this is a really smart organization with a great head coach, and they're going to have to figure out how to upgrade these positions. For the Clippers, you know, they've made adjustments. You know, they've, they're playing better defensively, right? Like, they've shot the ball well all series. The Mavs have just outscored them. At least that's what happened in the first two games in, in Staples. And so hopefully, you know, we'll kind of see the Mavs play better defense because I really want the Mavs to win this series just because I think it'd be great. The Clippers tanked ju- just to get beat by the team that they wanted to play. So, yeah, this, is, this series has become way more interesting now that it's tied 2-2. Two to two. And I'm excited. So I want to touch on one more thing real quick with the Nuggets before we take a short break. So if you're the Nuggets, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, the Wizards, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So look, if you're the Wizards, you're down 3-1. You're not very good, okay? You're just not. The Wizards know that they aren't very good. Yes, they made the playoffs this year. But they're absolutely nowhere close to competing for a championship. I believe that the Wizards should absolutely blow it up. You know, you're, I would trade Russell Westbrook this offseason. I would trade Bradley Beal and see what you can get. Now, look, Russell Westbrook, you're not, you're not going to get much back for him. He's an older guard. Doesn't exactly have a, a big history of winning games, right? That's not a shot. That's just the truth, right? When, you, when we look at Russell Westbrook-led teams, they're usually a 7 or an 8 seed, especially here more recently. And But you can get something back for Bradley Beal. So if I'm the Wizards, I'm calling the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm offering them Bradley Beal for Brandon Ingram, who's a young star who you can build around, who can still you know attract attract you know fans to come and watch, so you can still sell tickets. I'm trading Bradley Beal for Brandon Ingram and picks. Because look, Pelicans, they have all the picks in the world. Okay, They want to pair somebody with Zion, and let's be honest... There's going to be some problems down the road. Brandon Ingram thinks he's the number one when he's not. It's Zion. I think you bring in a guy like Bradley Beal. It's established who is the number one. That and It would take some pressure off Zion. He could really develop, especially as a screener. I think it would be so much fun to watch Bradley Beal and Zion run, run the pick and roll, let Zion kind of operate out of the short roll spot, kind of like what we see Draymond do. And, yeah, so that's, that's my last thought on that. If I'm... The Wizards, I make that call yesterday. I mean, this is, you know, it could really set them up well for their future if they can get a few picks and a really good player, you know, in Brandon Ingram. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go back to the Mavericks, and we're going to talk about how the Mavericks can avoid becoming the Green Bay Packers. You're probably a little confused by that, but you're going to stick around to hear it. So we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. And so we're going to talk about how the Dallas Mavericks can avoid becoming the next Green Bay Packers. Or how, how, how they can avoid becoming like the Green Bay Packers. Okay? So you're asking Jonathan, like, what are you talking about? Like, how are the Packers and the Mavericks the same? They don't even play the same sport. Like, how are these two organizations... How are they similar? Like one's up in Green Bay and like the Midwest, Dallas down south in a much, much cooler place, right? You know, Dallas can actually attract free agents. Green Bay can't. Like what? Like how, how are they the same, Jonathan? I don't, I don't understand where you're going with this. Both of these teams, okay, 
have drafted back-to-back Hall of Fame generational talents. Okay? The Packers drafted Brett Favre, Hall of Fame generational talent, so people have him down as a top-five quarterback of all time. The Mavericks drafted Dirk Nowitzki, right? You know, one of the greatest power forwards to ever play the game, arguably the greatest international player to ever play the game. And then the Packers draft Aaron Rodgers, right? And he's kind of set up perfectly, you know, played with Brett Favre, was I don't really want to use the term taken under his wing. We don't really know how good of, of friends they were. And then you got, you know, the Mavericks who draft Luka, who plays with Dirk for a year, right? You know, gets taken under his wing. And, you know, he's able to kind of teach him the ropes and things like that. So there's a lot of similarities here in terms of, you know, going from generational talent to, to generational talent. Now, I know what you're asking. Like, Jonathan, like, isn't, this, isn't this a good thing? Yes, this is an absolutely great thing, okay? Like, you want to draft generational talents as many times in a row as you can. What you don't want to do is underachieve with these generational talents like the Green Bay Packers did, okay? So between... You know, however many years of Brett Favre, probably what, like 15 years of Brett Favre, and 16 years of Aaron Rodgers, they have won a total of two Super Bowls, which is just unacceptable. When you have Brett Favre, who a lot of people consider, you know, a top five, for sure top ten quarterback of all time, and you have Aaron Rodgers, who before Patrick Mahomes, people said, was the most gifted quarterback we had ever seen. Okay, it is unacceptable to only win two Super Bowls with those two guys. Now, look, it's really hard to win the Super Bowl, okay? I get that. But when we look at you know, the New England Patriots, they got their generational talent, and they didn't mess it up, right? They they gave him a defense. They you know, they gave him a run game. They did all these different things for Tom Brady that the Packers just haven't really done for Aaron Rodgers or for Brett Favre, right? And now when we look at the Mavs, they only made it to the finals twice with Dirk, which is... Unacceptable, right? You know, you have a, a great player like that. You should make it more... You should make it to the finals more than two times. Okay? And so how do they avoid repeating this with Luka? So when we look at the Packers, especially now, they don't listen to Aaron Rodgers. Okay? They just kind of take him out of every decision. They don't listen to him. They gave him a below-average coach and Mike McCarthy, which, you know, they put too much on Aaron Rodgers. Okay? And I think, you know, they did the same thing when we look at Brett Favre. Now, with Dirk, you know, like the Mavericks, they've hired great coaches. You know, Avery Johnson was a good coach. Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the NBA. Okay, he deserves more more props than what he gets. I think he's one of the top coaches in the league. So the Mavs, they, they've covered that, okay? They've given Luka and they gave Dirk a great coach. Okay, so boom, so check. But what they haven't done is what the Packers do. Okay, Aaron Rodgers has one guy. That's it. He's, he's got one guy. Okay, and that's Devonta Adams. And that's really it. You know, they have a good run game and things like that. But let's be honest, when it comes to the when it comes to the NFL, it's all about being able to throw the football now. And so they they've given Aaron Rodgers one really good weapon, a bunch of below average weapons, and a, an average at best defense at best, average at best. And I think that when we look at Dallas now, that's what we're seeing. It's the lack of weapons around Luka. That's why they're struggling, right? And if you want to stop the Mavericks, you have to stop Luka Doncic. Okay, if you do that, then like that's it, right? Like when we watch the Mavericks play, they're to put the ball on the floor. Like they they refuse to even dribble. 
right? You know, like they, they get a rebound and they're immediately looking for Luka. The only guy willing to put it on the floor is Jalen Brunson. Hey, every other guy, they get a rebound and they look up and if Luka's not there, they freak out. Okay, so the Mavericks have to find another guy to help take some of the pressure off of Luka. And look, I get it. That's supposed to be Kristaps Porzingis, but let's be honest. Everybody knows that Kristaps Porzingis is not reliable. He's always hurt. Okay, it was a bad trade by Dallas. Well, I take that back. It was a lucky trade by Dallas. Wound up being a good trade just because of how good Tim Hardaway Jr. wound up being for them. But so they have to address finding a number two. You know, during the season when it looked like Bradley Beal was going to get dealt, I was really pushing for them to deal Chris Alves Porzingis for Bradley Beal. Doesn't look like that's going to wind up happening. I don't think that'll happen in the offseason either. And so Dallas, they're going to have to do something that they don't normally do. Okay, like when was the last time the Mavericks had a big time free agent signing? Couldn't tell you. I have no clue when, when the last time they signed a big name free agent was. Okay, and it's the same thing with Green Bay. Okay, so neither one of these teams are attracting big-time free agents. I don't know why Dallas isn't. They have a great owner and a great coach, and it's a great city to live. I don't really get that, but that's beside the point. That's a topic for another day. So they're going to have to find some way to either attract a big-name free agent. They're going to have to hit the lottery again and draft another great player from a much lower position on the draft board. Because let's be honest, when you have Luka Doncic on your team, you're probably going to make the playoffs every single year. Okay, so you're either going to have to trade for a pick or something if you want to go the draft route, which is going to be really hard to do because let's be honest, like anytime you draft anybody, except, you know, especially in the NBA, if you're not drafting with it within the first four or five picks, you're guessing, like you don't really know what you're going to get, except for this year. Obviously, you know, this year's draft, there's a lot of really good players and things like that. But Dallas is going to have to figure out some kind of way to get Luka a, a second star, okay? That's desperately what they need. Right, so you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were unable. The Packers were unable to get Aaron Rodgers enough around him. Aaron Rodgers grew frustrated, and now now he wants out. Okay, Luca, you know he look. He's really young. Okay, he's only twenty one, so he's probably a little bit more patient, right, than what Aaron Rodgers is being older. But you have to get stuff around Luca so he doesn't want to leave. And look, the Mavericks are a much better organization in terms of listening to its players. And giving them what they need much, much better at that than the Green Bay Packers, as we're seeing. And the other danger in this is, you know, let's say Luka does become upset because the Mavericks aren't giving him great players. It's the NBA. He'll just force his way out. He'll leave. Right? So, it's that's that's the blueprint, okay? You have to surround Luka with better players. I think that starts with trading, with trading Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith. Those are... Those players are very average 3 and D guys. You need one elite 3 and D guy. Okay, that's what you need. You need you need someone you can put on Kawhi Leonard and not watch Kawhi Leonard go for 32 and a half. Okay, like they they need some kind of athletic wing who plays really good defense. That is their biggest need. They they need to address that soon because look, like we're seeing it from Luka now. Like they in terms of star power and his ability to win and perform in the clutch, you know, we've already seen him hit multiple game winners. He's not afraid of the moment. In terms of his ability to do that, he's ready to, you know, to, to go on a run and possibly compete for championships. They just have to find a number two. And look, maybe that does end up being Porzingis. I don't think it's going to be. They need to find a real number two, and they need to find a real elite wing defender. Two things that are very hard to come by, two things that are also very expensive in the NBA. So 
We'll see what the Mavericks do. But please, Dallas, do not become the next Green Bay Packers. Please do not draft multiple generational Hall of Famers and only come come away with two titles. That would just be so disappointing for the amount of talent that they've had, you know, the past, you know, I guess 22 some 20 uh, some odd years right now, right? Cuz you know, Dirk got drafted in 99. So yeah, so Dallas, once again, please do not become the next version of the Green Bay Packers. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to go into some gambling stuff to kind of wrap up the show. More NBA gambling stuff. Who's predicting to win what series, what bets to make, things like that. So you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Finishing the show up with just a really quick gambling kind of segment here. So three of the playoff series out west are currently tied 2-2. Two to two. And so I was just very curious, wanted to go check out the odds. What are the favorites in terms of the way the series is going to end? So like, what's the final game count going to be? And man, I was really surprised. Especially at these first two. The third one, not not so much. So Clippers-Mavs. Clippers are favored to win the series four games to two. They think they'll take the next two. One in Staples Center and then one in Dallas. And, you know, it's only plus 100, right? So the odds aren't super great on this. I wouldn't take this one. I, I would take the Clippers in seven. You know, I think Luka will be healed enough that he's good enough to win them one more game, especially if it's game six in Dallas. You know, with 17,000 fans, they're going crazy. I would I would take the Clippers in seven because I don't think the Mavs are going to be able to be able to defend well enough for two games. To beat, to beat the Clippers again in Staples Center. That's just not going to happen, right? So I would take the Clippers in seven and not, you know, the Clippers in six. That's It's a tall order to beat any, you know, especially a team as good as the Mavs who can shoot the way that they do. It's, it's going to be tough to beat them four straight just because of how well the Mavericks can shoot the ball. So next, Nuggets Trailblazers. And this one absolutely stunned me. The the favorite here, the Trailblazers are favored to win four games to two. They think they'll run off the next two at plus two twenty. Which is no, don't don't take this. Take the Nuggets in seven. Take take the Nuggets in seven. I believe that that's that's the second favorite after this one. Do not touch this. No way. There's no way that the Okay, let me slow down. I'm I'm getting a little little a little frisky here, so I'm stumbling over my words. Jokic had a bad game four. He's not having back-to-back bad games. Okay, he's too good of a player. Okay, he's going to come out tonight, probably get, you know, 35, 7, and 10, because that's just what he does. That's like a normal night for him. So do not... So he's he'll have a good night tonight. I think the Nuggets win tonight in game five to take a 3-2 to two lead. Damian Lillard not losing on his home floor to lose a series. It's not happening. Okay, so I do like the Trailblazers to win Game 6. Game 7, I'm taking the Nuggets. They're at home. The um, this the impact that the Joker has on a game, especially with Jamal Murray being out, is greater than the impact that Damian Lillard has because C.J. McCollum's healthy. And look, when it comes to Game 7... I want to take the star who's going to have 
a bigger impact on the game. I think it's going to be the Joker. And that, and look, when role players play better at home, okay, so I would expect for the Nuggets role players to shoot better than the Trailblazers role players. So I would take the Nuggets in seven if I was to gamble on this. But this is a really tough series to call. Honestly, I, I wouldn't gamble on it if I was you. But, you know, if you want to, I would take the Nuggets in seven. And then the last one, Suns versus Lakers. Suns are favored to win in seven at plus 175. And this is, yeah, I think this is probably the only one that I really agree with. It is the only one that I agree with when it comes to these series that are tied 2-2. Two to two. And, you know, the Suns don't win tonight. No Anthony Davis for the Lakers. You know, LeBron's great. You know, I'm interested to kind of see how he looks on his ankle. You know, if he looks 100%, then you could definitely make a case that, you know, he can win the series for, you know, the, the Lakers, which is very possible. I don't think he is 100%, though. So I, I would take the Suns. Chris Paul looks way better. He looks way better in Game 4. So I, I would take the Suns. The Suns in 7. I, I do like this one because... You know, it's the same thing. LeBron, like he's not, he's not gonna lose a series on his home floor. That's just, that's not gonna happen. So I, I'm, I would take the Suns, Suns to win in seven. And then from there, you know, I started looking at, you know, what is the favorite betting odds wise to be our finals matchup. So this, all these odds are provided by by Fox Bet. The favorite to come out of the West right now is the Utah Jazz at plus one eighty five. And then the favorites out of the East, the overwhelming favorites out of the East, are the Brooklyn Nets at minus 118. That is an absurd number. And, yeah, so, I mean, I don't think either one of these teams are going to play in the finals. Just because, you know, the Jazz, I don't they don't have a good enough number to score. Who is their number to score? Mike Conley? Come on now. So, I wouldn't take the Jazz just because of that. So, like, you know, with Anthony Davis being out, if Anthony Davis does not come back, I would expect a Clippers Bucks finals. That that would be my bet. The Clippers and Clippers are plus three hundred to win the West, and the Bucks are plus two thirty to win the East. And yeah, I mean, yeah, the Jazz at plus one eighty five. I I don't understand why people like the Jazz. You know, I understand. You know, they play. They have a. They run a very efficient offense. They shoot the ball well from the outside. You know, they check. A lot of boxes. Donovan Mitchell's a guy who can take over a game down the stretch. They have a good defensive anchor. You know, it's a really good team. But at the end of the day, if the Clippers were to play the Jazz, the Clippers would have the two best players in the series, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Okay, and you know that's really kind of where where the conversation ends for me, right? You know, we're probably going to see that. We're probably going to see a Jazz Clippers second round matchup. I, w- I would take I would take the Clippers in a heartbeat, and just because of their debil- their ability to defend on the perimeter, and just how many shot creators they have, they have multiple guys who can go get their own shot. The Jazz don't really have that. You know, Bogdanovich can to a certain extent. Jordan Clarkson can off the bench, and Donovan Mitchell, and that's really it. Everybody else has to be created for. You know, I like how many shot creators the Clippers have, so I would take the Clippers in that series. I like the Clippers coming out of the West. And I, I really like the Bucks coming out of the East. I think they're going to pound the Nets on the glass in this next series. And they have the length to really match up and give the Nets offense some problems. Drew Holiday, his ability, ability to defend on the perimeter, I think is going to be huge. I think they'll put him on Kyrie. They'll put Chris Middleton on James Harden. I think his length will really bother Harden. And then I think they'll put Giannis on Kevin Durant. And... 
we'll see what happens. I think that is going to be an absolutely fantastic series to watch. But I, I do like the Bucks to come out of the East right now at, at plus 230. Interesting, the Hawks are at plus 1,800 to come out of the East, which I just thought was interesting that they had the fourth highest odds. Winners for the finals, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Nets at plus 180. Jazz and Lakers are both tied at plus 550. Bucks and Clippers are both tied at plus 600. And the 76ers are plus 850, and the Suns are plus 1800. And yeah, I, I'm I would take the Bucks to win the whole thing. I think that defensively, I think they're the best defensive team left, especially after this round. You know, Chris Middleton has played really well. If he continues playing at the level he's been at, they can definitely win it. Drew Holiday's been huge. His ability to initiate the offense, he can also get his own shot. Giannis is going to be much better, you know. Bam Adebayo is really the only defender in the NBA who's had success defending him, and you know he's out of the way now. So I think Giannis will improve as the playoffs go on. And yes, yeah, so I would I would take the Bucks at plus six hundred to, to win the finals right now. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Make sure you go over to the YouTube page, just Shooting the Schmidt. Make sure you know you subscribe, check out some videos. You know we're just posting different clips from here and things like that but if you can please subscribe and stuff once we hit a thousand subscribers on youtube we're going to start to live stream the shows live so please go over there check it out subscribe you know i really want to to do these live for y'all and then go check out the twitter as well at shooting underscore schmidt and yeah so make sure you go you, you check all that out and i'll be back probably on thursday maybe tomorrow we'll kind of see how things on my end are how busy i am so that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you once again for listening, and I'll see you all again on Thursday.